Hello, people. This is Peter Hurley, and you are listening to the Angry Millennial Podcast here on the Angry Millennial Podcast. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, who doesn't love really well-designed photography clothing? Check out clickgearclothing.com, a lifestyle for urban photographers, All Angry Millennial listeners can use coupon code ANGRYPHOTO to receive 20% off any order. And the first three people who sign up for our newsletter after the show will get a free $25 gift card. Now, guys, be sure to also check them out on Instagram at ClickGearClothingLTD. What's going on, AM Nation? Welcome to the Angry Millennial Show. Today, we have the composer duo... Brooke and Will Blair of the Blair Brothers. How are you guys doing today? Good. Thanks nice for having us. Up, no, of course. Thanks Happy for coming by. Good to see you again. Yep. Um, so I'm glad that we finally got to sit together. I know we've been kind of talking about it uh, since uh, you've been on our radar last year when we started. So catch us up. What's been going on since, uh, since last fall? I think this last year was um, <laughs> the first year we were able to generate pretty consistent back-to-back film work. Um, I think we mentioned earlier, like mostly dramas and thrillers that were scoring. So those could be a few months at a time. Nice. They're starting to overlap. And right now we're finishing a, um, a documentary and a, and a sci-fi a feature, sort of sci-fi feature at the moment. So two oh, nice. very different projects and yeah, things are overlapping a little bit. We're staying busy. Nice. That's good to hear it. I mean, and that's not what I figure it's. We'll go into it later, kind of what the process is and stuff like that with you guys. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely, I can imagine that it is, it's one of those labor intensive love affairs where you say, okay, we do this and it could be months, if not a while before it actually comes to fruition with like most things with the, uh, with the film industry. Yeah. It's a long process. Um, we're getting used to that. We're getting used to the, um, the pay cycle that's involved with this is <laughs> very long. It's always longer than you think. Long yeah. process. Yeah. Everyone's like net 300. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Net whenever we feel like it. Yeah. So what are these two projects you're working on? Can you talk about them yet? I know you mentioned, I know when we shot together a while ago, what when was it? October? Yeah. You were working on a couple of things. I wasn't sure if you were allowed to talk about it. But. Yeah. The one we were, when, when, when you were around, we were working on that, um, we're allowed to talk about it. It's just it's yet to be titled. It's yeah. yet to be titled. It's yet <laughs> yeah, to be it's released. Gone several titles. Yeah. Um, I think that'll be a cool movie when it's finally out. Our work with that is done. They're just doing. Um, that was part of Sony Studios, and they're doing. They're sort of wrapping it up and getting ready for marketing and things yeah. like that. That's um, the sci-fi one, right? No, that was or the no. sort of Joel Kinnaman backwoods thrillers. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Family drama. Yeah. Thriller. After that. Or right after that, right before that, right around there, they're starting to overlap. Yeah, we did Green Room. Um, we yeah, scored Green Room, which was Jeremy Sonier's follow up to Blue Ruin. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. That was getting all wrapped up when we were together. Right, and I saw the trailer finally. Yeah, and Jose just watched it before we yeah. started. It's it was pretty, great, pretty intense and creepy. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, 
Um, and we had to sit through it a couple hundred times in order, in order to get the score done. So we're immune to it. But um, that'll be the next thing that'll be out soon um, and available. So does Patrick Stewart haunt your dreams at night now? <laughs> he, he was so like subtle and kind of underplayed that, you know, it's... That makes it creepy, though. It, it is. Yeah. That was definitely <laughs> creepy, yeah. He's but, more like the shadow in the doorway. Yeah, he's given the orders, out. and they're very disturbing orders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So tell us about how it all started with you guys. Were you like always creative? Um, did did music and that kind of thing come first for for you both? It yeah, music was always first. Um, you know, we had some instruments laying around when we were little kids growing up, and then we each got into our own separate bands. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some like healthy competition there. Nice. You know, always trying to one up <laughs> each other. One of us goes in the studio and does a demo, and then. The next one does the same thing. Nice. Do, <laughs> but, uh, similar genres of music, or uh, it was so similar in fact that like our high school bands, uh, the band I was playing with was—I mean, we thought we were Pearl Jam pretty much. <laughs> we played every Pearl Jam song, and then these guys thought they were Alice in Chains. So it's like, <laughs> so we got to like, open up for them. <laughs> yeah, I was in the younger the band off. With, with younger kids. Yeah, um, yeah, but then college, I guess we were adults, just barely eighteen, nineteen. We finally. <laughs> Got our own forces. Yeah. yeah. And things moved quicker that way when we, like, you know, agreed to collaborate and compromise. Right. Was that the more like the, I know, I mean, we talked for like an hour about like all the Philly bands last time. And I know you mentioned a few things with like the Diggable Planets guys yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, did they influence it or were you, did you guys work with them much? Yeah. Like that first band we put together in college. This is the late 90s at this point. And we were just big into um, like early '90s hip hop. Yeah. So, nice. And we were in Richmond, Virginia. We're from Virginia, um, yeah. But we fell in love with the Roots. Nice. And you know, yes, Diggable Planets, um, Tribe, Farsight, yeah, yeah. Outcasts, Outcasts, yeah. Hieroglyphics. So we joined um, with sort of a pre-existing hip hop outfit in Richmond that had sort of a DJ-based thing mm-hmm. that wanted to go more of a live band, and that's exactly what we wanted to do. Um, we did fairly well for ourselves for having the worst band name <laughs> ever. We were called Infectious Organisms. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. This is pre nine eleven, like yeah. pre um, sort of you know chemical warfare, anthrax, yeah, and all yeah. of that. Yeah, but it was sort of in that like diggable planet, like yeah. adjective noun thing that mm-hmm. these guys were going for. We didn't have a say in the name. We joined this group, but we, we stuck with it for six or seven years. And that band brought us to Philly. We were ready for like a. Um, we were playing in New York. We were on the road a bit. We got to open up for Outcast a couple times. Wow. Run the DMC. Roots a couple times. Run DMC. Um, Black Eyed Peas. This was back when they were like, this right, is pre Fergie. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah. They were, before they cut their hair, they were still dancing. They were still wearing backpacks. They were like, oh, yeah. wow. band, like underground. Wow. That's, I mean, when I look at you, two, I band, immediately yeah. think hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 quick question on that did they so they brought her in like as a as a more of a thing that kind of i guess you know the labels were kind of like hey you need to need to have a spicy element up front probably they they always have a front man like who was a front man before that full disclosure um yeah yeah our band was together for seven years and the black eyed peas played a part in breaking up our band (laughs) and i'm not afraid to say it um i knew will i am was a dick he was a nice he was a nice guy he was um they were like we had a little van and a little trailer we had a slightly bigger tour bus right they were headlining we were opening up you know um they had a video and we didn't yet so and so so they were like mentors for uh, this one night at this right. um, club in uh, North Carolina. And he was like, 
he was sort of discussing things with the leader of our band at the time, right. business-wise. Right. And he said, um, this touring life, this band in the van on the road is like, can't sustain itself. Right. Get in the studio, make a couple hits, um, get a couple checks in the bank so you can, right. you know. And sustain I mean, it's, yourself, yeah. It's one way of doing it that really worked for them. Um, it kind of like divided our group at yeah. the time. Uh, mm-hmm. We just wanted to keep, you know, playing little clubs be on the road and that, that way. Right. Um, sounds, but yeah, so a couple years later. band politics. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. it was. It literally it was dramatically broke us oh, up. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and one of the guys, again, the leader of our band, is now working with the Black Eyed Peas. Out and, uh, <laughs> he, like, co-writes with them. He's got credits all over all their albums. Yeah, that's He moved out wow. to L.A. and did that whole thing. Um, yeah, so a couple years later, they, they popped up with Fergie and a new image and a new sound. Right. You know, so Will I Am is just a slap in the face. That's why he got his name, right? Well, you know what? <laughs> We got we had so much experience recording and touring and, and this and that. I think we were honestly we were in our mid twenties at this point, yeah. early twenties, mm-hmm. kind of itching to go back to some like rock and roll roots yeah, yeah. that we had. Yeah, it kind of stunk. So we were when bummed. it happened, but yeah, but it was like all right, this is an opportunity just to switch it up and do something. New. Yeah, right. And at that point, I think we wanted to hear more kind of songs and and vocals and less just. I guess we were kind of starting less to, loops and less yeah, loops. fading away from that sound. I guess yeah. So we started a new band, you know, that was with different friends and uh, some of the same core um, sort of rhythm section, mm-hmm. um, but put brought new Philly friends into it and um, started the thing all over again for the next eight years, eight years or so. Wow. So you guys were in music for this. a long time. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, but to, to answer your question, how do we get into the, the scoring side? As we were kids, we grew up with Jeremy Sonnier, who was the director of Blue Ruin. Um, green room again which i just mentioned and then all of these shorts that he was doing in college um so as we were sort of navigating different genres of music he would bring whatever project he had film-wise to us and sort of guide us how to um how to write for film and and then his films just started getting bigger and better Mm -hmm. and we all started learning more together. So that's where we are now. Nice. The focus has been the focus in the past uh, three (laughs) years or so has been exclusively scoring for films. Um, Yeah. We haven't been on stage in a couple of years. Yep. (laughs) You're missing besides the studio. Yeah. You're on your own stage. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know. I kind of like the, the the solitary nature of the studio and just being able to control everything. Mm -hmm. Soundsmith and, uh, um, Mad scientist. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, like in the lab. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm. I'm in my beats laboratory. Yeah. 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 Well, it's. I love the process of it all. Like, I think it was. Yeah, it was Fishtown when we were doing that filming and some stuff in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Just watching mm-hmm. you guys like kind of dissect every little corner through the dust with like old just trying to find and, stuff. Yeah, and hammers and chains. Like, yeah, it was awesome to watch. That one it was, that one was tons of fun because the director in particular said, "Let's just experiment. Yeah. This whole thing should be experimental." It took so much longer because of that, but um, and yeah, that day that you, you know all of that recording on the piano, yeah, with the hammers and the chains and the mm-hmm. wires and stuff, very little of that actually ended up getting used. It was that fan in the corner that yeah. dragged the Boeing the, the violin bow across. Mm. That oh, actually wow. made the almost became a featured like instrument of the score. Yeah. Um, and that was just a little yeah, experiment. Yeah. Just something that happened like in the moment. But, uh, That's awesome. Yeah. So how, how long, what's the usual process take? Like turnaround time. 
from when you get it to it's usually like two to three months. Um, sometimes it stretches beyond that, but mm-hmm. um, it all depends, I guess. It's much less. I mean, sometimes, yeah. We, in fact, we've done. We did Blue Ruin in five days, but that was like literally around the clock, yeah, and that was wow. that was deadline intensive. So sometimes it's get in, get it done, and then sometimes there's literally like a month of experimenting and mm-hmm. demoing, going back and forth, and it even takes a long time just to fa- to find the sound of the film right. um, before we even start writing anything to picture, or sometimes before we even have picture, it's just based off of the script or rough ideas. Oh, really? So yeah. Yeah. you get to watch watch any of it at all to really like put yourself in there to see what. Oh yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, pretty much once we've zeroed in on the the sound, the instrumentation, um, more often than not, we're kind of waiting around for a fairly final picture lock, um, yeah. which isn't always totally locked. But um, we get something to watch and we get started. Um, you know, and some of these early demos that we've worked on, sometimes those make it into the uh, into just as like a starting point um, yeah. of the film. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, every every. Everyone is totally different. Every project's totally different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're they're in various stages of completion on their end. And some of them have deadlines that are more intense than others. And some of it, you know, so we just kind of have to jump in wherever they are. We're like de- developing sounds right now for a movie that we're hired for, but we haven't even seen yet. You yeah. know, we saw some footage. We've talked to the director extensively. We've read the script. We're pumped about it. It seems really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just a, a gut. You know, we haven't seen it. And so they're, they're still editing. Mm-hmm. We're trying to build. Which one is this? Is- this is called The Scent of Rain and Lightning. It's based on a novel, the same title. Mm-hmm. Um, they shot in Oklahoma. It's sort of a modern day uh, family feud, sort of Western thriller. Interesting. Um, with some cool up and coming actors. Yeah, that one will be fun. Mm-hmm. Must nice. be interesting watching that footage without any sort of score or anything to it. Well, see, that, that would actually be a. A luxury. A lot of times they come like the rough edit. They'll edit in mm-hmm. temp temp music, which is just like okay. other music from other films. Um, occasionally, it's some of our music, which is a great yeah. position yeah. to be in. Um, but they'll just to get the pacing of the edit together. They'll okay. they'll splice in that some other sense. music, and then that can either be you know it can be a guideline which helps, but then sometimes you can kind of get stuck in these. Mm-hmm boxes a little bit so to try something new can be a little bit more challenging or getting the director to see the you know a certain scene in a different yeah. way that can be you know an uphill battle or it's just you know try try it from all different angles and you never know which one's going to work but um that that's something you hear composers talk a lot about that's like the blessing and the curse like it right. would almost be amazing to just get a film with no temp music and it's an open slate but like a black that, canvas yeah, yeah that kind of rarely happens there's always something yeah. there to how many like, times do you actually work off a script that sounds fucking hard uh, that's at least just to get initial ideas oh, started okay. and get like a tone of it. Um, and then at that point we feel like we're just in a safe experimental like, demo mm-hmm. stage of things mm-hmm. where there's no real expectations. It's like, let's right. just start, let's send them, let's it's take a week, many you know, ideas, them, you know, 20 little sketches or something by the end of the week. So, um, so that as they're editing, maybe some of our early ideas can become that tent music, that placeholder music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which would be. And is it like little, you do like one scene, send it to them. Yeah. Like we, a try couple to, scenes. we try to visualize the scene. Sometimes we'll even title it after, you know, again, we haven't seen the movie yet. Right. We'll title it after a character and maybe keep or, a location, or, or a location or a scene or something. Okay, cool. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, 
you know, if we're, yeah, if we're picking a character in a location and it's, it's a bad guy, right? it's going to sound and feel a certain way. Right, uh, right. And we sort of suggest that, you know, this, this theme, this idea could accompany right. this character, so to speak. Nice. So the only thing I'll be honest that I have in terms of uh, an idea of what you guys do is I can't remember the name of the show. It was a show in Showtime with um, one of the guys from the league. I don't know if you watched that on FX, but he plays a sound engineer and he works at a studio and literally they show him what, like they'll be sitting in the studio watching a screening of the film and having the director right there you know, saying, play it back, play this. And he's like, well, I thought we could do this. He's like, shut the fuck up and do your job. <laughs> and like, it, like uh, he wanted like coyotes, but the director pulled in sounds of wolves and he goes, that's not even a, a coyote. And they're arguing back and forth. <laughs> so is, is that what it's, is that kind of what it's like if you're actually physically in LA? And we'll talk a bit about how you guys are, you know, choosing to be based out of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of your stuff may be remote working. Um, but is that kind of, is that like, do you think to yourself that would be a better way of doing it? Getting that immediate feedback? We've actually kind of done that both ways. Um, yeah. we've come back to Blue Ruin a couple of times that was like trial by fire. That was like our first, you know, our second feature, I guess that we'd done. And, and mm-hmm. Jeremy, the director was in the room for the entire time, which, yeah. which is an aberration from how it's done. You right. can imagine trying to write, compose and then record and mix and doing all that with a the director there the entire time saying, you know. I like this. I don't like that, but it did streamline it. Yeah. And, and we kind of got to, yeah. we got to it a lot quicker because of that, but that's not, I don't, I wouldn't say that's totally ideal. Um, it was ideal in that being our second feature, but, but our first big like, stakes are a little higher right. feature. It yeah. was like on the job learning yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in the trenches education. Like he, you know, there wasn't the luxury of like stumble around and figure it out. He was like, this is how, music works with movies. This is what I want. This mm-hmm. is why, you know, and so there, that was helpful. Mm-hmm. Of course. That was from Blue Ruin. Yeah. yeah. And okay. he's, he's New York based, you know, so he has no problem. Like he was down here for a yeah. good bit of green room and we did that, but he also gave us a lot of freedom. And you guys have known him for a while yeah. too, right? So I'm sure yeah. that helps a bit with the chemistry. Yeah. yeah he's I comfortable bossing us. Yeah. We kind yeah. Of- <laughs> <laughs> nice. So speaking of uh, your work, tell us a bit about your, your documentary work, like um, I Am Yupik, right? And then there's uh, Killing Them Safely. Mm-hmm. How did you get into into documentaries work-wise? Yeah, I think you start to build enough, you know, project to project, you build enough relationships, or a certain amount of relationships where, where guys, producers and such are jumping from different projects as well. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the case, how we got those guys? That was were, Taser, yeah. Yeah, just through safely. a... What was it a friend of a friend or mm-hmm. someone we worked with or something like that? Our name got thrown in a hat, but yeah, killing them safely was our first featured documentary. Um, really cool film. I think it, it, it was in theaters for a bit. You can pre-order it on iTunes right now, but it'll be out soon for, for rental. But a look at taser guns, the company that um, invented and sort of has a monopoly on taser guns, oh, and wow. sort of irresponsibility that seems to be, um, <laughs> on both this company and some members of like law enforcement right. that, um, yeah. that think of it as sort of a, um, the solution, the, the yeah. only safe solution when actually there's been tons and tons of like in custody taser related deaths yeah. mm-hmm. um, from like teenagers to like elderly people. Yeah, you figure um, you have a bad heart. Exactly. Yeah, you're pumping electricity into someone, and, and no, it's completely safe. Yeah. <laughs> no, so it's not going to yeah. work. It's not still electricity. It's yeah, exactly. You could, you could mace them. Into your <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so it's a timely film. It just, it's really just looking at responsibility of, of, you know, policing and, and uh, weaponry. Uh, and that's coming out soon. You said, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that was, um, good timing. Yeah. Oh, it's great time. Yeah. 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 Especially all the shit going on, like in Chicago, with the oh, yeah. rallies, oh, yeah. people getting maced for no fucking reason. Yeah. Just unlo- unleashing on the crowd, and, and yeah, yeah, it's yep. been a mess. Um, so I am you pick that. I, I read that was something about a, a basketball team in Alaska. Did yeah, I read yeah. that right? Yeah, exactly. Man, they, they high that's, school, high school yeah, basketball. that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> figure um, all that comes out of there is probably hockey. Yeah, but this is actually like it is the thing to do in that town. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's such a huge, huge deal. It's a um, takes place in a village of six hundred and fifty mm-hmm. or something. It's tiny. Oh, it sort shit. of features this. Uh, I think this year he's a senior. I think when they shot the movie, he was mm-hmm. a high school junior, but sort of the star of the of the high school basketball team that led the team to, um, without spoiling, like a certain amount of victory and all these challenges. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the kid happens to be his name is Byron Nikolai. Really, really cool kid. He happens to be an incredible musician as well. That's sort oh, of wow. embraced his ancient Yupik culture up there. Yeah. His traditional Yupik drumming and singing. And wow. he actually now he's about to graduate, but he's got like a um, He's like touring with his with his like village's traditional music, and he's doing it in this kind of young, hip, millennial sort of way. Um, He so that movie went to Sundance as well, and we went there, and he was invited to come perform at Sundance. Oh wow! um, And just like stole the show. Um, So look out for him. Yeah, and then I Am Yupik aired on. ESPN Mm -hmm. as part of the Thirty for Thirty. Oh, those are great. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Um, I wonder what the Alaska Basketball State Championship looks like. That's like the whole sort of third act. <laughs> the build up. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got to watch it's it. Like, it's like two teams. Yeah. Ah, I guess the guys just battle it out. It seems like a big community a thing that brings the community together. I mean, right. there's elderly folks. There's yeah. elders. Yeah, yeah, lots of excitement based yeah. around it. Yeah. And, nice. Uh, That's crazy. And therefore a lot of pressure on the kids too. Oh, it's I can like, imagine. It's like yeah. almost like at a collegiate level. You know, there's like yeah. that much excitement about it. Because like you said, so, it, it's – for them, especially one of the just small few things that's right. really yeah, like going on, things. that's exciting and right. brings everyone together. Yeah, and that went to Sundance. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So nice. that's you guys have had a few things at Sundance, right? Couple films, yeah. Yeah, um, Blue Ruin and Green Room, and I'm Yupik. Yeah, this past year was this past January was both Green Room and I'm Yupik. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, two, two films that couldn't, couldn't be more different. <laughs> yeah, right. Other, right? <laughs> nice. So with your upcoming film, switching gears back to, to features, uh, Green Room featuring Sir Patrick Stewart, <laughs> uh, you've done an amazing job with like setting the pace, highlighting the, the kind of thrills and action. Uh, I, we, I watched the Red Band trailer, which is pretty fucked up <laughs> before we started. Yeah, I feel like you need Xanax before you watch <laughs> <Right>. this thing. <laughs> so have you, have you always done kind of like thriller type films? That, that seems to be what we're getting hired for mm-hmm. the most right now. A, mm-hmm. a lot of that's based on... Green Room, uh, uh, Blue Ruins, uh, kind of breakthrough. Um, yeah, they got our, our foot in the door. And it seems, yeah, it just seems to be the, the jobs nice. that have come to us. Right, you know? right. Um, so because of that, would you, like, would you say a lot of, like, the composing stuff goes by a, a type of uh, musical taste or musical style you have as composers that maybe you kind of trend that way, you know? Yeah, uh, we are... Again, back to sort of the days we were playing in bands, mm-hmm. we did explore so many different genres right. just out of curiosity right. that that is informing a bit of what we do now. And not that by no means can we do everything and anything, but mm-hmm. um, 
I think we're having a good time jumping from a scary, suspenseful thriller into yeah, like a heartfelt documentary or whatever. Right. But but to answer your question, like we, we have more, we've had more um, exposure yeah, in this in the tense, scary thriller world, like Blue Ruin, for example, and Green Room will be next. Mm-hmm. The documentary I mentioned earlier that we're finishing now mm-hmm. um, is about magic and magicians. It's called. Oh magicians. no shit! We had we had a couple oh. magicians on the show. Oh really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it was follows, really interesting. It follows like four uh, West Coast based musician magicians at all different kind of stages in their right, career, different levels, right? Um, which seems like you know, like music or anything creative mm-hmm. seems like a tough, tough path. But yeah. it's really, yeah. you know, it's really interesting <laughs> little subculture. Um, so we're getting to do quirky, up tempo, mm-hmm. um, a lot of pianos and bells, and nice. um, a little comedy and a little humor. But we had to, in getting that job, we really had to convince the director, like, right. we don't just do scary stuff. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> we I guess can it's make it sound of, magic if you right. want to do that. <laughs> right. So Whimsical you, is yeah. what we're going yeah. for. Yeah. You actually That's had to play piano like. instead oh, yeah, of dropping right. a drum on it. Exactly. Like last time. Exactly. <laughs> had, which was kind of a treat. It was like, this was less experimental. You know, right. Like some, some mm. of the scarier things we've done. It was, right. It's just yeah. a little more straightforward. It's just music, you know. I guess. So actually, go ahead. that. We can put a link to it or whatever the interview that I did. There's actually a couple photos like showing them mm-hmm. in the process, oh, nice. just like oh, right. hammering on piano strings and that kind of shit. It's, nice, nice, mm-hmm. cool to see. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So, like you said, <laughs> would you see yourself guys ever doing like you see yourselves doing like a, a rom com or anything like that? Uh, I mean, <laughs> judging by his reaction, probably no. <laughs> yeah, that that one. I would, that I would say we would never do. Anything does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I would like we'd be open for right. for the right thing at the right time. Yeah, um, when we're, I'll say this when we're like setting up our queue on Netflix. That's like not high. We like we right. like thrillers. We like tension. We like documentaries a lot. Um, yeah, and dramas and and we nice. were talking about you know marvel superhero stuff earlier mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. we're like maybe that's not a goal for us like that's it's such a huge Animal. scope and a huge mm-hmm. sound and it's a huge machine to be pumped i through. feel like but at the same time if it was the right one and we yeah and we yeah. Right i could see it, you guys yeah. doing more of the netflix kind of side of that universe because so far it's a lot darker mm-hmm. especially i know that you said you didn't get to see daredevil yet right not yet. yeah but it yeah when when you see that i could really kind of see you guys doing composing a score to that yeah it's just nice it's not as like big blockbuster glamour like mm-hmm. it's much more just really raw yeah understated yeah nice. check it out <laughs> nice so i mean a, a majority of people kind of like the documentary stuff right see them as like long-term personal projects mostly because they demand so much time and effort uh, and monetarily, it kind of makes it's tough to justify and makes sense. Um, but is that the case with you guys on the score side of things? Because I know you talked about you, you, especially when it's features, you get involved early on, but it's like it always ramps up as the process goes along. Mm-hmm. Um, for docs, have you noticed the same thing where you're you're kind of grassroots, you're helping out on the early end and then kind of involved in the whole process, or is it just eh, come to us when it's done and we'll polish it no that's fairly safe to say um yeah that it becomes a bit more of a team effort right the work in progress yeah um yeah oftentimes oftentimes more 
music just by a matter of minutes. You know, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll hear in a documentary, even if it's tucked in the background, mm-hmm. under dialogue to help with the mood. I mean, it's, right. um, Magicians that we're working on now is is easily the most music, the most minutes, the most layers of tracks, mm-hmm. the biggest sessions we've ever right. put together for nice. an Easter film. Yeah, and that's you're working on that currently, right? That's yeah, not finished. We're, no, we're, we're pretty close. Maybe okay. within a week or two, it might yeah. be finishing that one up. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, so speaking of docs, right? You did your fair share of TV, documentary, feature film work. Uh, is there anything that kind of is it your favorite or you just like the variety of all of them kind of doing them all? Yeah, I think the variety is big for us. Um, mm-hmm. And even like, I, we haven't really talked about it much, but short films, we've mm-hmm. done a bunch of those. And that, that's great too, just to get into something that's four or five cues, you know, like five or right. six minutes of music. And it's, and then even one step beyond that, we'll do some commercial work, which is like, you know, a 30 second spot mm-hmm. sometimes. So we're doing these, you know, Would those hour and a half films. as jingles? <laughs> I, we haven't really done many. We're not like we've, selling products. Yeah, no, just more just, <laughs> background music nice. yeah okay. um but even just like yeah switching it up so it's not you know not the same job every day right you know, you're mm-hmm. on one project for three months and then you work on a small commercial for a week and mm-hmm. then a short film for three weeks you right know, it just kind of keeps it fresh because a lot yeah. of the, the majority of the work is will and i together in a room you know and you kind of have to kind of switch that up as much as you I'm can say it's it, brothers and yeah, shirts to keep it <laughs> exciting when you're going on That's days like Steve, and you, you just come over and like yeah. films and hang out and like break, <laughs> break it up a little bit you're like please next next time i'll wear my or like a referee shirt or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. we did talk so about having um employee of the month at some point it just, <laughs> just goes back and forth you go oh, i didn't get it this month what's yeah. up with that what do you mean yeah. it goes back and forth <laughs> oh, you just get it the whole time i think That's solo funny. is gonna be on the wall for oh yeah well then month. yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly so they're, nice. they're tiebreaker nice so one question we have we, we recently spoke to um michael greco and he's a photographer out of la who is uh, the chairman for like for advocacy uh, in terms of the APA, which is a, a photographer association. And one of the things we talked about was how he's literally on the front lines. And I mean, literally speaking before Congress on the Hill about copyright reform mm-hmm. and to basically just make it easier and less convoluted and have a lot more support in terms of uh, the department and the director and all that kind of stuff. For you guys, I mean, how does it work when you when you score something and it's for, let's just say, a commercial or this any other thing? Do they all they get all the rights to it, or is it like you get the rights and then you copyright it in terms of you know, labeling it for what project you did and that sort of thing? Uh, it 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 depends, but the majority of them are usually works for hire, mm-hmm. so we don't own the masters or the copyright. What we do retain is the the writing side of the publishing, mm-hmm. which is something they really that never gets negotiated out of out right. of anything. It's like if we wrote something, we get to keep that back in, but. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's like we're getting an upfront fee, mm-hmm. you know, a package deal to to write, record, complete, and deliver, right. uh, you know, a certain amount of music, and then it is owned by the production. So it's kind of like you get paid more for a rights grab, in a sense, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. You look at it like a commission, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 almost. You know, we're, we're hired for a certain thing that we do or that we're able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys, oftentimes. Um, extensively like look around and see who's right for the job we, mm-hmm. we feel like we've been on a list of i mean there's tons of jobs we haven't gotten yeah and then you look you, you circle back a couple months later and figure out who got the job and oh yeah he he's better for it than we were what's that um, like in terms of when, when do you guys get involved and they say like i can imagine you like for us you shop a book around or you show a website yeah. for you guys it's like you know 
here's a, a reel in a sense. Uh-huh. Is, and is that, are you involved in that? Do you have an agent? Do you guys do your own kind of shop around your own work? We started or? doing our own. We, mm-hmm. we got an agent a couple years ago that really kind of took things to the next level for us. I think he tries to protect us from that side of the world a little bit, but right. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty much the same. I, I think it's like anyone you want to hire, like you mm-hmm. hire like a, like a plumber or something mm-hmm. like you shop around. Right. Um, you think about price, you think about, taste and what these people have done before mm-hmm. i think we end up on a list right um we've been told like you're at the top of a list or something mm-hmm. you're second on the list right and then you know maybe we'll get it maybe we won't but yeah it becomes a vetting process um sometimes, sometimes we we have to demo for it as well it's that's like, what i was gonna ask have you to, right if it's yeah. a couple scenes yeah, yeah like the the a couple side. scenes and like what would you do with it and not a lot of direction and so that's almost like the shootout, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. you don't know how many other guys are doing the same thing. But, right. Uh, kind of auditioning. Yeah, it, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Same thing as so an you, actor. Do you ever have uh, a, a certain other duo or single person you guys are always kind of battling against? A little, little bit of a friendly arch nemesis, if you will. That is a good question. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's an arch nemesis, but we've, we've, um, we've become friendly with a couple guys we look up to, which is pretty cool. I think more so nice. than, than, that's awesome. than the competition. It is kind of like, it's, it's a, it's pretty competitive, but it's still a small group of folks that are doing this. So mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. when you do meet, you know, one or two or a couple of other guys that are doing it, um, it is like a camaraderie, right. you know? Yeah, it's kind of like cool. the way it was photography or magicians. We yeah. found yeah, out, yeah, we yeah. talk with those guys. What's really interesting is that we feel super fortunate to end up with the agent we did at, at William Morris. Mm-hmm. His roster consists of... Um, like all of our favorites, yeah. Like peers nice. and guys that we look up to, who's, nice. Whose you know work we really admire. Um, so yeah, I think we're. I don't know if we're the low man on the totem pole there somewhere in the middle, <laughs> but, but we're, we might be in competition with some of these guys that we're right. fans of. You know, nice. He's got Trent Reznor at the top of his list. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Social Network and Gone Girl. Yeah. And these guys in Texas that are just making a sound. Um, Daniel Hart. We scored a movie called Ain't Them Body Saints with Casey Affleck. Mm-hmm. It's like a beautiful score, and we became buddies with him. And um, David Wingo is also mm-hmm. an Austin, mm-hmm. Texas guy who just did Midnight Special and Mud. And Joe. Oh, Mud, yeah. Mud, yeah. Mud was uh, great. Awesome. Yeah. Being, being with an agent for composing, do they – do they have different composers to fit kind of different styles? So I know like photo reps, they'll have a lot of, you know, good photographers, but they have one that'll be geared towards a specific thing that they could shop them to. Is that kind of the same thing it's, with this or? I think it's a little bit of style. It's also yeah. I mean, a big component is budget. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like okay. before anything happens, these things are so budgeted out that like, you know, before they even shoot, one scene, they know what the music budget is. And there may be yeah. some wiggle room, but then you have everyone that falls into probably different categories tiers. and tiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so it kind of goes a lot by your, your day rate in a sense. Pretty, right? pretty yeah. much. Yeah. It's kind of like these guys are, would fit the job mm-hmm. and then the scope yeah. of it. Um, okay. And so right there, it's already like half of that's already kind of decided. Yeah. And then you're yeah, in yeah. this pool of who you're competing against, I guess. Okay. But, uh, mm. but then also style. Yeah. It's all based on what you've done before yeah. and right. what they think you're capable of doing, you know, right. whether they, want to see if you can stretch and do something new or it's like this is a safer bet to get this guy because he does this. Yeah, and most yeah. composers do have something that they do really well and that's kind of their thing. Um, right. And Avail- the, availability. I think well, there's that too. To yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think geography, I know we'll probably... Yeah, I know. That's that. my next yeah. question. Yeah. I think it does play a certain part of it. I mean, when we linked up with our agent, he said, um, we were 
to be honest, we were not self-conscious, but we were concerned about um, Philadelphia being home and mm-hmm. seeing, is this, is this going to be a deterrent for, for getting work? Are our directors going to look at us a certain way? Is our agent going to have trouble convincing getting us meetings or right. something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, no, like things are changing every day with technology mm-hmm. and yeah. how to connect with people yeah. and how to get the work done remotely and how to mm-hmm. digitally you know, send content back and forth, things like that. Um, but he also said, I don't have many guys in New York. So like you could essentially be my New York guys. I could send you up to New York for meetings. That hasn't happened as much. We've actually started working. Most of the people we work with are in LA and we're making it work huh. or Canada or some New York things. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, th- I think maybe, maybe again for the bigger, like how, like, Hollywood things we we're talking about superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe LA needs to be a home base. Right. I think we're yeah. staying really flexible from being here, and, and we're making it work from Philly. And getting out to LA quite mm-hmm. a bit is important too. I was going like to say, do you guys go for meetings you know, yeah. pretty regularly and that kind of thing? Yeah. In fact, and we have a we have a recording session set up in a, next month in LA, so we're, nice. we're trying to like have one foot here and one foot there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And we still bat the idea back and forth. You know, yeah. like. You know, there are a lot of pros and cons to staying here and doing it here, and mm-hmm. then being there. You know, it could be. Yeah. yeah. We, we we haven't quite nailed it down, like right. as to what needs to happen. But mm-hmm. um, well, we so right now it's in Philadelphia. I mean, because you can do that. Yeah, but, and yeah. so we've sort of nailed it down to a certain extent. <laughs> Not that you know we we can't undo that, but I mean, it is home, and we're yeah. embracing that. And um. And yeah, I think we had some reservations about like. Do we share that with the industry as much? Mm-hmm. Do we sort of, pr- do we present ourselves as though maybe we're from there? Yeah. And and now we're just, you know, we're happy to tell people this is where we work. This is where our studio is. Nice. What's been really cool is a lot of these directors will end up here at our studio, whether it's early in the process or at the end of the process. And we're, we're hosting a director later this afternoon oh, from great. New York. Nice. One awesome. project we're finishing. In the, and um, the next guy's coming from L.A. next week. And it's a change for them too. It's yeah, like yeah. go to a new, yeah. new city and work for a couple of days, and, it's, you know, and maybe they're different. up for it. Maybe they're like, "Hey, a lot sweet, of get the fuck yeah. out of LA." Yeah. You, start, you start to like literally. We've heard, um, "Oh, cool! I haven't been to Philly since my school trip in seventh <laughs> grade or something." <laughs> like, Liberty, Liberty Bell, Bell right? right? Right. And they don't know what to expect, and I think they they have a certain idea. Maybe they've seen Creed or recently, yeah. and that's about it. And, but they. You know, we have a great little fish down studio and they hop out on Frankfurt Avenue and they're like, this is awesome. Yeah. And, um, it seems like everyone here is creative, but like just working really hard mm-hmm. and yeah. um, down to earth and hustling. Yeah. And we've literally been told, you know, it's kind of refreshing not to be in a in a little beach studio at, at Venice Beach. You know, I think they like, there's a grit and there's a... Um, <laughs> Venice Beach, Philly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's going to be more rainy Philly or yeah. Yeah. Venice Beach. You got a lot of good beer places right around you too. Yeah, so that's true. That helps. <laughs> yeah. well, that's great. I mean, and and like you said, it it, it with like technology, that was a big thing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, now like I, my last job, my girlfriend, she works from home, and she works from home for a New York company, mm-hmm. and I can say this because she put her in two weeks today, is now working be working for a company out of San Francisco, and there's people in Germany from here from, here, from yeah. well, oh well from we live I live in uh, Philadelphia, and I live outside Baltimore. Okay, but yeah, it's from here. Yeah, so it's, there's people in Texas, Germany. New York working for the company working for the company yeah, yeah so they're mostly remote mm-hmm. um, but again technology with Slack and Skype and email mm-hmm. and, and phone and teleconferencing it's it's pretty 
it's pretty easy, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like you guys said, that has enabled you guys to do it. And as long oh, as absolutely. you're open for taking meetings and flying to LA and, mm-hmm. and I always tell people, Rather than living in New York, live in Philly and you can afford to go anywhere you want <laughs> yeah, because right? you're saving so much on rent. The cost yeah. of living. Yeah, the cost lower, of living yeah. is much lower. So it's like, yeah, you can, you know, you can, okay, let's hop a flight a couple of days. And you, and you get into that meth, that mode of, of flying so much, then you get the deals on the airlines yeah. and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that helps. Oh, we're doing Airbnb all the time. There you go. Yeah. And, um, there's now an Airbnb, it's referred to as the Airbnb of recording studios. <laughs> Where you put really? in, yeah, you yeah. put in this t- the town that you might end up in. I mean, we uh-huh. have to work. We're working with a musician in L.A. Mm-hmm. Instead of asking him to fly here, we're just going to show up out there. We found a great yeah. studio. You put in your neighborhood, your budget, what sort of specs and gear you're mm-hmm. looking for. And, That's great. And That's we really booked a cool. session a couple of days later. It yeah. was something similar for photography studios a couple of years ago, but it didn't, yeah. it didn't really yeah, it didn't fly. Yeah, it wasn't not like Airbnb. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of like Just whatever. real quick, with, with location stuff, this is kind of... A little off the cuff. Have you guys done much with anything down in Atlanta? I know that's like yeah, it's a pretty big booming, up and coming, you know, production. I was just um, Saturday. I was shooting with the guys from uh, last podcast on the left, and the one uh, Henry. He does a lot of his show work down in Atlanta too. But I wasn't sure if we haven't really had any anything based in Atlanta. But yeah. um, but we're gonna look into it now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it keeps coming up. Like the past, yeah. some of the past few uh, sessions. We did. A lot of people were talking about Atlanta and the whole production industry down there. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. always big on grip stuff and everything else, yeah. and then it's so cheap to shoot there. Yeah, yeah. that's a tax. Yeah, tax You ever, uh, you ever watch like Archer? Okay. Yeah, yeah all sure. that's done by it's Georgia. Done. You see like the end, they do the peach okay. and the Georgia production. So all that, yeah. like everything, okay. the whole process is done in Georgia, in Atlanta. Mm. And Austin's the same way. I think there's mm-hmm. lots of cities that that's, it's, you know, the alternative to doing everything in LA. Right. You know, and scoring work is going, a lot of it's going out for the big ones are going out of the country and really? where there's tax incentives, tax breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is kind of a changing thing. It's not, it's not like everything has to happen in right. LA, New York. Yeah. Um, so what, what's kind of like the biggest thing you guys have in the pipeline that you can talk about? Again, I think green room will probably see just on a, Numbers standpoint, we'll probably see the widest release, the most exposure mm-hmm. of anything yeah. we've done. I think Blue Ruin was released on. Don't quote me on this, but hundred screens, a thousand screens. Are you sure? Yeah, and um, Green Room. He's doing the math in his head. Five thousand. <laughs> yeah, it five thousand screens. But so, oh, wow. um, The Witch mm-hmm. is out now by A twenty four Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, that's who's putting out Green Room. Oh, awesome. The Witch got a big sort of international push, and Green Room will have the same sort of muscle behind it. And and the score is being re- released with a, a pretty pretty awesome record label that just focuses on uh, scores. Oh, nice! So, That's cool. Yeah, so and scores and soundtracks. Yeah, so Sweet. that'll be big for us too. We'd, so this is this second is funny. Movie. You guys are probably what they call like the Ong Song heroes, right? For instance, do you guys have to go on press junkets and stuff like that for movie releases, or, or you know is- what? No, we're sort of like tucked in the shadows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What do those guys do exactly? <laughs> they just sit in the back of the releases, like trying to make sounds while people walk in and yeah. keep them out. <laughs> Why are they here? We're not supposed to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we love just, doing we just fun. tag along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, uh, what do you what do you say is the biggest? Um, like, I was going to ask you, like, with a lot of what you do, we talked about it earlier with doc work and stuff like that. Are there any kind of personal projects you've been working on? Um, you know, what are your thoughts on personal projects as a whole? 
you know, I, I think of, um, I forget the name of the movie. Um, we are your friends or something. It was a movie with, uh, Zach Efron as a DJ and, and he was kind of trying to do his own thing. And then when he had the epiphany of keeping it more authentic and real, he started sampling like noises around the house, like a, you know, a stable gun on the roof, you know, redoing the roof and, you know, his phone spinning on a table. And, and I guess in that sense, it could be seen as, as more of a personal thing. You know, if you guys, I know you'd said you, um, you know, do some weird shit with the piano. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So do you ever do that just on your own to say like, okay, here's something we have that we could maybe show the next, you know, uh, film or next crew we have on. Like, what do you, you think mean, about not, this? Not for a specific project, just mm-hmm. something. Yeah, so, yeah, like yeah. a personal thing or just, is it more like building a sound library to have, you know, access to? Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about this last week. We, we didn't get into it in the, you know, to have a big library or to have a bunch of credits. We got into it because it, Music in general, because it was personally expressive, I think, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and it was like socially collaborative, which it still is. I think to answer your question, I think we we haven't allowed a ton of time for well the enduring show, yeah, for personal side projects as much. Brooke does a lot of like instrumental solo recording. Mm-hmm. Zone. I've done a lot of like uh, writing, like uh, nonfiction, you know, writing, but. Um, but as far as our scoring work, yeah, we always, I think within each project, we find a way to make it personal, whether nice. that means including yeah. like mm-hmm. an instrument uh, that we think is just like the weirdest, thing, the coolest thing. <laughs> How do we focus that towards the director's the vision? Story. Again, mm-hmm. It's a work for hire. It's a commission of some sort. It has to speak to their vision. Right. But how do we make it personal? And sometimes that means um, inviting someone that we look up to to collaborate. Nice. We often try to, more and more we're trying to see if we could bring in um, friends, former collaborators, like just people we look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To keep it sort of personal to a certain extent. That's great. I think a couple, couple years ago we had an August with, without any project on the plate, but we wanted to sort of keep our chops up. Mm-hmm. We um, challenged ourselves to a cue a day, a cue being like a little musical snippet, like mm-hmm. a little 30 second mm-hmm. sketch. Mm-hmm. And, so between the two of us to, to, to write and record one a day for a month, um, just based on, you know, from the perspective of scoring, like based on sort of supporting an emotion mm-hmm. or a situation mm-hmm. or something. So it was kind of, you know, based around whatever we were going Feeling through that, that day. day. Right. You know what I mean? And it was kind of a boring month that August. I mean, we had one <laughs> called like, like hard boiled eggs or something. Like oh, watching wow. them boil. Like that's <laughs> yeah, breakfast. Yeah. What does that sound like? Yeah. You got to stop in the morning and think about what that could sound like mm-hmm. and what instruments might That's great. support that. You title it as such. And then you, we went into the studio and we limited ourselves to like an hour just to bang or it two out. or something just to get that out. And um, we went to a funeral that month. Yeah. That was and, one of the yeah, heavier that, ones. And mm-hmm. that, that little tune sounded very different. Right. But that was just a, yeah, that was a personal exercise to keep mm-hmm. our shops that's great and oddly yeah. enough that's the second person we've heard who did a 30 for th- like 30 in 30 thing yeah uh chris sullivan an actor who just now got on to the uh gardens of the galaxy sequel and um he also plays music mm-hmm. so he, oh, yeah, he, he plays in the band yeah. so he literally did right. write 30 songs in 30 days, days. so right. it was like a challenge just like that yeah keep your chops up mm-hmm. see what's good and i think for him the way he talked about it was it was actually a challenge to like the artistic thing where you, you're trying to perfect things, you know, mm-hmm. and you just kind of let it go, right. And move on, whether it's 
um, perfect or not, it's, it's, you know, done is better than perfect, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. So at the end, he said, I got a couple songs that made it into an album and a couple that actually made it into movies as part of the score. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So he was like, you know, all in all, it was a pretty great project, mm-hmm. but there were some days where it was fucking tough. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And uh, I equated it to some photographers do like a 365 project where you take one picture every day for a year. So it's right. kind of a similar thing. You know, some days you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Some days you let your emotions seep into it. You know, you're sad that day. You're happy that day. Um, I've never had the wherewithal to, yeah. to take that yeah. hike. I mean, on. I think, it's, I think it's like push-ups, you know, yeah. whatever. It's like... Uh, it's I just, tough. I never do those. Though. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. But like action, just the action in and of itself uh, doesn't necessarily make it easier the next time around. But you're mm-hmm. just in the yeah. you're in the habit of doing it. Right. Right. So, what would you say is the biggest risk you guys have taken in your artistic career? Quitting our job. <laughs> yeah. Quitting whatever day jobs we had. <laughs> Trying to figure. Yeah, there wasn't a, like a clear cut. Like, um, oh, okay, now everything makes sense. You know, there's money right. in the bank and mm-hmm. this project's lined up. It just, it's almost like we had to do this first to start to, to get, get to, to, that to that place. Point. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know if I would say it's premature, but it was like, we just had to do it, you know, and we both just decided like, this is the time and it's like sink or swim. We'll figure mm-hmm. it out. But um, yeah. And we've done that a couple of times though with, with bands that we played in, you know, previous. And it was like time to quit the, quit mm-hmm. the day job and see what happens. And, uh, we always call it buying the van. It's like buying buying the touring van. It's like you're not going to get on tour until you have the van. Then you got to now you got to you got to book the shows to yeah. pay for the van. So that's cool. We're just like it's time to buy the van. We got to do it <laughs> forever. What are you doing? Fucking buy the van, man. Buy yep, the van. Yeah. Shit. So, uh, what would you say is your biggest fear creatively? Hmm. Yeah, it's always get people. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> Um. I think. Well, you both could have different answers. Yeah. yeah, I just think anything creative is just horrifying by nature. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think every time we get a new project, <clears throat> would you agree that the, the sort of the the hiring and the early um, ideas and the early like conceptualizing like what this could become could be the most exciting, and it's before like a lot of the hours really start. It's like the, mm-hmm. it's like the brainstorming. It's the most exciting, and then it's closely followed by, oh shit! Like, now how do we <laughs> how do we do it? How do we actually do the work? Right, oh, then right. even like sending some of the first cues, like when you actually have the picture and you're like, you export a couple scenes and maybe like the literally the first handful, you know, you send to the director, that can be pretty scary. Which right. normally is like they're not right normally, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, you have to like, send the early mm-hmm. stuff and get feedback. Right, get a little more direction. Yeah, right. That can be kind of scary. That's scary. I think I heard um, Danny Elfman, who's Long-time collaboration with uh, Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Mm-hmm. So he scored all, pretty much, I would guess, all I of think Tim like Burton's movies. Yeah. Wow. Juice, through Batman, through um, up to today. And he's a he's near retirement, and he's an amazing composer. And he says it's still, even having um, spent all this time with Tim Burton, mm-hmm. he said when they're in the studio together and he presses play on the first idea for the, for the new movie, they've done like 30 movies. He said it's the scariest <laughs> moment just sharing his sort right. of raw thoughts mm-hmm. with the right. director and these directors like we come on later in the process and mm-hmm. a lot of these guys especially in the indie world they put every single penny into it and their whole kickstarter goes mm-hmm. into it and their lives go into it and like yeah we're we're here to like make it sound better not worse yeah. Yeah. and um 
That's scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's something you've kind of worked on feel strongly about that can get nixed in like two seconds. Like, no, mm-hmm. it's not working. Yeah. And you have to be ready for that. Yeah. What else you got? Be okay with that. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, the, the like, scariest wording here. What else you got? Yeah. yeah. It's great. What else you got? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like the whole, that was my home run. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what would you say, we're going to go a little deep. What would you say is the most meaningful moment in your career thus far? Being together as brothers every day in the studio, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Right, there, that's yeah, the segue. segue. <laughs> when when we worked together a few months ago, we I did the interview with them. It's on my site. Um, I asked both of these guys who had won in a fight: Wolfman or Dracula? <laughs> and I kind of disagreed with what they said. So here did it we, is. Wait, did we agree on the? I probably disagreed just by nature. But probably, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, there it is: Wolfman or Dracula. I'm going Wolfman. Can we bring the creature from the Black Lagoon into the equation? I, well, I mentioned that, <laughs> and I, I, I figured you, it wouldn't be this, as fair, because he's just yeah. probably in the swamp, like, looking for fish food or something. Yeah. Like, or pretty women. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's just down there doing pull-ups and push-ups, like 50 Cent, you know, getting huge, getting just under, ready. under the water like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> so Brooks for Wolfman. Training montage I think, I, think in this, I think in this rare case, I will agree with older brother that I think Wolfman. Okay. Has certain just biological advantages I over, think we do over Dracula. That. And then the other one was what was it? I think Spider Man, Batman, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Spider Man, yeah. Batman. I think I'm just going for Batman. Yeah, and I, I think, think just, we disagreed with this. I, yeah, and, and looking we now, did. now we're all going to see Batman, <laughs> Superman. I yeah. don't know. To me, it's like the Are we dude's all fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like the dude's kind of invincible, and you just have technology and a lot and of money. money. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. I'm yeah, not really crazy about it either, Well, it's but. Kryptonian technology too that he <laughs> implements in his bat suit. It's there's there a whole comic. About oh, it. Yeah. okay. Yeah, it's it's very comic based. But so you're with Batman. I'm when, good when, with Batman. That's just based on like when we're up against Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about Superman? That's tough. It's it really tough. They're, they're, <laughs> the amount of the level of like Fuck. whoa. <laughs> I gotta take Hold this really serious. On. Yeah, I that the was the right thing. That here. was the most serious question we've apparently asked. Into. Bro, whoa, 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 whoa! Let's take a minute. Yeah. Let's take a pause. How pause. much time do we have? So, all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is the biggest regret in your career? Hmm. I'm not going for Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> not choosing correctly. <laughs> biggest regret. That's tough. Is it like pretentious and passe to be like, I don't have any regrets? No, I, honestly, no, we get that a lot. People say, you know what? The, to me, saying the re- word regret is like um, making failure a dirty word, and it's not. Yeah, you learn from it. Yeah. And if you yeah. learn from it, you can't really regret it in a sense. Yeah. It's like, so we get it, that a lot. If it were like 10 years ago, you could probably be like, well, I regret doing that. But now you're here and you're like, it's well, like, oh, that was part of maybe getting I should, here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like some people, with you guys, you, you do music most of your life and then you finally bought the van. Mm-hmm. Some people, the only thing they say is, I wish I started earlier. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I wish I bought yeah. the van in my 20s and not in my that, That's just funny you say that is something that, that's come up. It's like, oh, maybe where would we be if we had started this a little bit earlier? But mm-hmm. even that is just kind of like, you need to shut that thought down yeah, because it's nothing you yeah, playing in every band that we played in and played with all the different musicians we played with. That's all kind of informed mm-hmm. like how we approach certain ideas and, and hopefully we're bringing our own unique perspective. And that's right. that, that, that didn't, 
that had to come from somewhere. And, right. And yeah. then you couldn't have a beef about with uh, with uh, black eyed peas. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, which is very public now. <laughs> I think we got. I think I think we had super fortunate to have opportunities like Jeremy and Macon's films mm-hmm. relationships we had mm-hmm. to work in film occur when they did. Right. Which you know, in some eyes, is like later in the game, but you know, we're in the middle of our thirties. I think it was at the perfect time because we're not. Although you see young, young kids are able to perform and get up and write a song and sing a song and mm-hmm. incredible musicianship. Right. You don't see many young 20-something film composers. No. And I think there has to be a certain level of... Lived it, learned Just it. lived, mm-hmm. lived no, life. Yeah. yeah. Because you're supporting emotional, mm-hmm. you know, um, an emotional picture. It's so true. Yeah. You have to, you know, you have to been to a certain amount of funerals and like, mm-hmm. some, you know, falling in love and yeah. heartbroken right. and break some hearts and like get into some weird shit and, mm-hmm. and come out. Okay. You yeah. Know, in yeah. order to, yeah. in order to I think in order to like collaborate as a team member and be able to put some ego aside. And you, know? you said it, I mean, like I was in Vegas last week for, for WPPI and we talked to one guy, uh, Joe Busink and he, he is a, you know, renowned wedding photographer. I mean, the guy, has like lifetime achievement awards from the United Nations, from WPPI, and he's probably in his late sixties now. But the scare, the really crazy thing is, he didn't start till he was forty-five, mm-hmm. and he he was actually getting his PhD in psychology. So it was kind of crazy. He was doing that, working three part-time jobs, had two kids at the time, and and said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a go at, at mm-hmm. photography. And um and and I asked him if he if he felt like the same thing if he felt like I'm a little late to the game he said no you know what uh, it probably happened at the right time mm-hmm. and like you said I I had accrued so much life experience that it was na- enabled me to take a lot of the things that probably early on would have overwhelmed me mm-hmm. you right. know in terms of a lot of the emotion a lot of the emotion tied into a wedding day mm-hmm. a lot of the pressure tied into this like the one hopefully one day mm-hmm. in your life yeah. you know that you want to uh, capture. Um, and it was interesting, you know, a lot of people we've been talking to lately have found it. I, I mean, I didn't find photography until I was 24 and I thought that was late. And I know people yeah. are like, yeah, 35, 38, 42 and, and just, you know, killing it. And yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to get that side of it. I've read there's a peak in, in a creative life in mm-hmm. your early forties Wow, and that there's enough experience. There's enough, um, failure, mm-hmm. but it also a certain amount of like, I don't give a I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks <laughs> yeah. at this point. Like, yeah. this is this is how I view this project. Right. Yeah, you know. And you said it earlier. Um, I saw something. I forget who it was uh, on Twitter, but someone wrote, um, "Every artist, or I say, every successful artist has a tiny bit of fuck you in their repertoire." And whether it's that yeah. <laughs> people who told you you weren't going to make it mm-hmm. or people who turned you down for jobs when you got more established mm-hmm. or like you're always kind of trying to prove something, whether it's to yourself, right? It can be very internal mm-hmm. um, or other people, you know, outwardly. Yeah. And you saying, have to have that mentality yeah. Yeah. a little bit at least, you know, right? just to feel that fire to keep going. Yeah, right. right. It's a, any it's, creative, it's tough. It's up and down. Yeah. <laughs> it, up and down. it knocks you down and tears yeah. you apart. And, Which I think Philadelphia is... You know, and I mean this with all Scrappy. due respect to, no, to yeah. we're not just, from here. You know, it's not our hometown, but it might as well be home for mm-hmm. us and we, we love it. But yeah, I mean it helps fuel that yeah. part of me. Just go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. We're doing this. You sound like a cutscene from Creed or something. you get hit. So last question here, uh, and then we'll go into the uh the last two. But 
Um, if you couldn't share your work with anyone, would you still do it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for, for me, it's, 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 I mean, it's obviously great to be part of a, like a finished film and, mm-hmm. and go see it in the theater, but really like the, the fun of it is, is in the creation. It's in the moment and, and kind of getting lost in the, in, in the process. Mm-hmm. And that's something that no one really sees. And a lot of times not even the director sees, you know, unless they're in the room with us, it's just, right. it's, it's just getting into a flow and um, seeing something come together. And that's, that's in like the very early stages of, of creating a, a cue or a song or something. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, that's where the reward is for me. Right. Um, and everything that comes after is just like, Oh, this is great. You right. know, people icing, see it. Great. People like it yeah. even better, mm-hmm. you know, and um, all that's kind of out of your hands, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I think we, we, yeah, we share the same general idea that I think more specifically, if I pull, pull the question apart a little bit, I'd like to think that I would still do it without sharing it with someone. It might be necessary for me to share the process with someone else. Mm-hmm. In other words, where I think Brooke is, is better equipped and excited, um, in sort of a hermit focused monk like way <laughs> I to really hermit to like to just crank stuff out by himself, you know, right. like, um, you know, in a room by himself for the rest of his life, I get, she <laughs> <laughs> sounds totally okay with me. <laughs> I get drawn um, to the collaborative side of it. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's just the two of us, which it is often, but um, you know, the, the team aspect of being in a band mm-hmm. and now the team aspect of, of working with a director or working mm-hmm. with a combination of a director and, and a team of producers mm-hmm. and an yeah. editor um, and then a sound designer. Right. And this, um, I think film is a perfect example of like so many different disciplines coming together with like one, one, one common goal. Common goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and nine times out of 10, they're like some of the most inspiring people we've ever worked with. It's just yeah. like these different, different aspects of, of filmmaking. Um, yeah. As long as that was part of it, a collaborative thing for me mm-hmm. and no one ever gets to see the movie. That's, right. That'd be fine. No yeah. one ever gets to hear the score. That'd be fine. As long mm-hmm. as, um, as long as I'm not all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, guys. Well, listen, um, you know, thank you for, for coming out, making the time. I know that this, this month and next month's pretty crazy for you guys. So we, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. This is um, fun. So where can people check out your stuff and learn more about what you do? Blairbrothersmusic.com mm-hmm. is our site. And then we're on Facebook and Twitter and some things we mentioned, like killing them safely is available on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Green room will be available on CD vinyl, and iTunes, some other short films. And yeah. Yeah. Um, do you guys have like a, like a Vimeo account or stuff like that? There's some know? work on Vimeo, Blair okay. Brothers on Vimeo stuff floating around youtube mm-hmm. nice stevie's helping us like we've been busy but we're going to move forward with some of these and yeah helping us get more sort of video content we really like we like as fans to see some of the behind the scenes mm-hmm. how you make a movie how you mm-hmm. make special effects and yeah, stunts and stuff yeah so we, we got some good ideas yeah, yeah we're, we're, talking about we're trying to do that yeah. with with some of our scores because we would enjoy watching them as as yeah. composers as well so nice. we'll share some of those soon cool cool can't wait to check those out all right so last but not least, who's someone you would like to hear us talk to on this show? They don't have to be composers, but anyone really in the industry who's creative. Will I am. <laughs> <laughs>
Let's get to the bottom. Let's set the fucking record straight. I wanted this to go on the record. Why did you break up our college band? The first person that came to mind Mm -hmm. because I look up to him, we're getting to work with him soon, and he's local, is a documentary filmmaker named Don Argett. Oh, yeah. uh, Who um, has a production company with his wife and his friend called 914 Pictures, 914 Pictures. Based here in Philadelphia, but he did uh, The Art of the Steel, the documentary about mm-hmm. the Barnes Foundation. Oh, cool. He did um, As the Palaces Burn, the documentary about the Lamb of God, this metal band that had legal trouble while they were on the road. Yeah, so, yeah. played with them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's crazy. He's a great guy. And he's, you know what? I won't go into detail about his next project, but he's finishing now. We're going to start scoring with him this summer. It's a you would dig this. Oh, yeah. Off oh, yeah. air, I will tell you more about this. Okay. <laughs> I'll let Don tell you guys with his turn. But he's an incredible filmmaker. He's like totally Philly, like um, in the sense that uh, he picks sort of underdog creative characters, artists mm-hmm. that have been lesser mm-hmm. represented or artists who have been taken advantage of in some way. All right. Um, or at least this is a common theme to his movies that I pick up on. The little guy versus the big guy. The little guy versus right. the bigger mm-hmm. machine mm-hmm. or something. And maybe Philadelphia can... In general, Test of that. Can, yeah, can we feel agree. like that, and he's that would be great. Yeah. He does this really gritty way of um, of sharing that, and but if, but in a in a cleaned up industry standard, yeah. you know. Yeah, I've seen the art film. of the steel. That was yeah, really great. good. That's really good. Yeah, nice. All right, sweet. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you again. I hope, hope you had. I hope you had a good time. Absolutely. And, uh, and we'll maybe we'll see you guys around. Thank you, Jose. Thanks, All right. Steve. All right. Take care.